Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. We've been on a series called The Fight, and thank you for being here today. We're going to conclude the series, and um, I've been very excited about the five weeks we've done this. It's been very good. Hopefully, it's equipped us. Um, Beginning at verse 1 in 1 Kings 19, a passage you're very familiar with, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. And Lord, let your spirit impact the words on our mind, our heart, our soul, and our spirit today. And God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Well, the background is, you know, in chapter 18, Elijah had one of his highest prophetic days of his life. He had faced the hundreds of false prophets on the Mount Carmel. God, by a miraculous event, brought fire down from heaven, consumed the the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the water and licked up the dust from the ground. It was a monumental time. The the drought from about three, three and a half years was broken, and now he's down off of the mountain. And then a woman sets him to flight. You know, how can you run away from a mean, angry woman? Well, maybe I can... I can understand that. How about you? Anybody can understand that? Some of you guys are looking at me wanting to amen me and nod, but you just are so chicken, you won't do that. Well, I want you to see what the enemy did to Elijah, and this is what the enemy's still doing today. Um, he wants to intimidate you. If you notice how Jezebel is intimidating Elijah, tomorrow you'll be dead. And then secondly, he wants you to be afraid. He wants you to live in fear. Uh, fear is the opposite of faith, and he wants you to uh, be afraid. He wants you to get you on the run. And then lastly, he wants to isolate you. Now, the enemy's very good at doing these things to our life, and I don't know if you picked all those things out of just the three verses we read, but they're all there. When, when Elijah is having this great prophetic uh, victory through God in chapter 18, in verse 19, he is intimidated by Jezebel. He wants to uh, run from her. He's afraid of her. He is isolated. You see the last line? He left his servant there. He, he's alone now. You know, I said this in the early service. Not many families are naming their girls Jezebel any day. And uh, have you noticed that? Not many Jezebels around by that name. (laughs) Some of you about Duncan, you'll say, oh, yeah, golly. Why does Jezebel want to kill Elijah? Because he's a threat to her kingdom. He's a threat to her kingdom. 
Could it be that the enemy would want to stop you and fight you and, and come against you and thwart your efforts? Is there something of value within you? Is there a divine purpose? Is there a dream, a vision? Is there a destiny in your life that he doesn't want you to fulfill? I think so. Are you a threat to his kingdom? Is he needing to overcome you, to fight you, and get you out of the picture? Because he knows that you're going to do something significant in your life, your family, and in the kingdom of God. And I think he has a pattern. And we're not ignorant of his devices. We know how he works. And the words fight and fought appear about 170 times in your Bible. About the same number of times the word grace appears. How many of you know grace is important? We're saved by grace through faith. So the word grace appears about 170 times, but the word fight and fought, both of them appear collectively about 170 times. Do you know that the moment you were born, you entered the fight? The moment you came into the kingdom of God, you stepped into the arena, you stepped into the fight, you stepped into the ring, and the enemy is out to get you and defeat you, and we know that he has that objective on your life and my life. So we entered the arena, but we were given the armor of God. We were given the weapons of our warfare. We were given the name that's above every name. Our captain has never, ever lost a battle. And with all that said, he still wants you and I to fight. We still must fight. We cannot sit back. We cannot be spectators. And it's a fight for you to keep moving forward. It's a fight for me to keep moving forward. It's a fight to keep your marriage together. It's a fight to keep your family together. It's a fight to keep your job, to finish school, get your degree. It's a fight for your health, your attitude. It's a fight to stay positive. It's a fight to stay hooked up. Not to quit, stay in faith. It's a fight not to give up, walk away. I want to tell you, you're in a fight. No, I'm in a fight. And some mornings I get up and I have to fight just to get through the day. And after the day, I have to fight to have a good attitude. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's fight. And you and I are in that fight. Some of you walked in today and you've walked into this beautiful place. You're sitting there and you have your perfume on, you have your cologne on, your hair's combed, you have good clothes on, and you look really good. You have a wonderful smile. But let me tell you, behind the scenes, behind the scenes, people haven't seen your tears you cried in the dark. They haven't seen the loneliness that you felt and the pain that you feel. They haven't seen the disappointments you've endured and the depression that's tried to come upon you, the struggle you've been in, the fight you've been in. You have been fighting secretly and no one knew it. But I want to tell you today, everybody's in that same fight. I may not see yours, you may not see mine, but we're all in that fight. You can be a fight in junior high. You can be in a fight in high school. In college, you can be 60 years old and be in a fight. You can be a Christian for 30 minutes and be in a fight, and you can be a Christian for 60 years, and you're still in the same fight. We are in a fight. So how do we find victory? How do we overcome the one who wants to overcome you? Let me give you six ways today. If you have a pencil and paper, get them out. How do we stay as an overcomer in this fight of our life? Number one, you hit the enemy with the word. Say that with me. You hit the enemy with the word. Now let's all say it very, very, very loud. We hit the enemy with the word. That's what Jesus did. When the enemy came against him, when the enemy tried to tempt him, bring him down. If you are, let me throw doubt. Let, let me bring this to you in, in, in an ambiguous way. You're really not who you think you are. And you know what Jesus did? He began to say this over and over and over. It is written. 
And he took the word, and the word in faith is a powerful force against your adversary. So we have to hit the enemy with the word. It is written. And we take the word and we apply it over and over and over. Sometimes in the morning you just have to get up and say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And sometimes at night you have to say, I am the beloved of Almighty God. I am the apple of his eye. No matter what I've gone through, what I've experienced, God is still on my side. And when the enemy whispers in your ear, you have to combat that by giving the word. Speak the word. Give the word. Over and over. Well, pastor, when will I end? When you're in heaven, you can stop it. But until then, you are still going to have to hit him with the word. And my friends, he probably knows the word more than you do. But when you speak it out of your mouth, it becomes a powerful weapon in this fight. So we have to speak the word, the two-edged sword of God. We speak the word. Most of you know last week I was in San Antonio preaching a conference and I would preached several times there. There was a gentleman there, uh, his name was Paul Mason, and he shared an account of a group that he knew and some of his relatives were there. They had went to an inner city and they began to witness and do some evangelization in a very tough uh, part of town. It was drug infested, poverty, high crime. It was a horrible place. But they, they went in with their team and they began to try to witness to people and hand out Bibles and try to get people to, you know, hear the, the message of hope. But, you know, most people don't want to hear the message of hope. They want to stay in their poor, pitiful state. And if you're there, listen up with your ears. Don't stay in a poor, pitiful state. And so they went into that inner city and they began to share the gospel. And um, most people didn't want to hear what they said. Most people didn't take a Bible. And they came across one young man. He was ravaged by drugs. You could see the way he was dressed, the way he looked, and he was disheveled, and you could tell he had been deep into drugs. And they tried to witness to him and, you know, didn't, didn't really want to hear. Tried to give him a Bible. He said, you know, I don't think I want a Bible. But then he stopped. He said, you know, maybe I do want a Bible. He said, let me look at that. So he took the Bible they had, and he began to open it up, and he took the pages and began to flip the pages. And he began to fill the pages. He began to fill each page. He said, maybe I do want a Bible. He said, I think I could roll my weed in these, these pages. And so the guy who had the Bible said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a Bible, but this is what I want you to do. Before you roll it, read it. He said, before you roll it, read it. He said, so every, every day when you tear out a page to roll your dope, he said, read what it says, and, you know, that, that's all I'm asking you. And the guy said, sure, okay, I'll do that. So he took the Bible, and uh, so months and months and months later, they go back to the same neighborhood. They're, they're doing what they do. They go into those areas. They try to evangelize, and they see this guy again. They recognize him, but this time he is cleaned up. He's dressed. His hair looks nice. He has a different attitude, and they came up to him and said, hey, we remember you. He said, yes, you're the one who gave me the Bible, and this was his testimony. He said, you know what I did? He said, I, I rolled it all the way through Matthew and Mark. <laughs> he said, I smoked it through Luke. But when I got to John, said, I begin to do more reading than I did rolling. And he said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ and got my life straightened out. <laughs> do you realize the word is powerful? 
Roll it and read it. Roll it and read it until you get to the Gospel of John and all of a sudden something clicked. My friends, I want to tell you, the Word is powerful. It is a two-edged sword. It is life to those who hear. It is life to those who read. The enemy hates it. He knows there's authority in the Word. He knows that when you use the Word, it is a powerful, powerful weapon. So therefore, hit him with the Word. Secondly, not only do we hit him with the Word, we hit him with prayer. We've been talking about this for five weeks. We hit him with prayer. Pray and faint not. Pray and don't give up. We have to continue to pray. I want you to notice something. Ephesians chapter 6, you know this very well. It is the chapter about putting on the armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Gird up your loins with truth. Take on the breastplate, shield of faith, sword of the spirit. So we, we take on and, and we weaponize and we put on the armor of God. But look with me at verse number 18. This is what he says after you put on the whole armor of God. He says, and pray in the spirit. Would you say that with me? And pray in the spirit. He said, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Now, here he said that we should pray in the spirit. Now, listen, my friends, sometimes when we pray... We don't know what to pray for. Sometimes we don't know how to approach it. But I'll guarantee you, when you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to attack that problem. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, and Paul says, you put on the armor of God, and then you what? You begin to pray. You're all dressed up to come against the enemy with prayer and supplication and request. You have not because you, you ask not. You know, this week we have been praying and we're asking God for some things in your life and my life and in this church. You know why? Prayer is powerful. Prayer is something that is very powerful when we pray and the Holy Spirit takes that prayer and brings it to an audience of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we're taking that prayer and we're using it as a weapon, a powerful weapon of God. We need to be praying. And the Bible says we can pray always. Do you realize you can pray on the way to church? I did it this morning. You can pray on the way to work. You, you can pray in your mind. You can pray in your spirit. You can pray in your heart. You can pray when you get up. You can pray when you go to bed. I found out sometimes I've woken up praying. Isn't it funny how your spirit man wants to have an audience with God and God wants to have an audience with you? So prayer is a powerful weapon. We want to hit the enemy with prayer. Now, the fourth thing... The third thing here is we want to hit the enemy with fasting. Now, we talked about a lot last week. We want to hit the enemy with fasting. Um, do you remember when the man brought his son up and he said, uh, I, I took my son to your disciples and they couldn't do anything for him? Uh, he, he has uh, an evil spirit. And Jesus began to disciple the disciples. He began to instruct them. And they asked him this question, why couldn't we take care of this? And this is what Jesus said. He said, this kind, this kind, only comes out by prayer and fasting. New levels, new devils. If you're going to increase, if you're, if you're going to go forward, sometimes you have to crank it up a notch. 
You have to move it forward just a little bit. And this week, as we have prayed and fasted, we've said, Lord, we want to take it up a notch. We, we want to go further. We want to go uh, wider and deeper. We want to see our city. We want to see our county. We want to see our families come to a relationship with you, God. We don't want them to be lost. We don't want them to be deceived. We don't want them to live a substandard life, but the abundant life in Jesus Christ. So what are we doing? We're praying and we're fasting. We're asking God to move in supernatural ways. I tell you what, it's a little tough on the body, isn't it? But I'll guarantee you, God looks and he says, hey, my people are willing to do what they need to do to see results. They're willing to go a little bit further. How many of you are glad Jesus went a little bit further in the garden? He went a little bit further. So you and I, we go a little bit further because we need to see some things supernaturally break loose in the spiritual realm. So we hit the enemy with fasting. The fourth thing we do, we hit the enemy with worship. We hit the enemy with worship. In the Chronicles of the Kings, there is an amazing account of King Jehoshaphat. He's attacked by three nations, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir. So three kingdoms, three armies have banded together to come against Judah and Israel. And King Jehoshaphat hears that they're coming. They have outposts, they have scouts. Now they're telling King Jehoshaphat, there are armies headed your way and there is a trifecta of, of nations or kingdoms that's going to overtake you. Now, this is the account when King Jehoshaphat goes before God and he says these words. And you've said these before and I've said them. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do. You ever said that to God? Lord, I don't know what to do. I've got this situation. Carrie's acting ugly. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you think that she's ever prayed that prayer and reversed it? Lord, th this is happening. I don't know what to do. H how do I handle this? Three armies coming. I don't know if I can defeat one, but now there's three. Lord, I don't know what to do. Neither know we what to do. And you know what God did? God gave him an answer. You know what? God's got a plan. If I can just figure out what the plan is, I know how to take down Jericho. If I know what the plan is, I can cross the Red Sea. If I know what the plan is, I can defeat three armies that have bound together to destroy me if I just know what the plan is. And God said, Jehoshaphat, here's the plan. The plan yesterday may not be the plan today, but how many of you know God always has a plan? And this is what he said. He said, Jehoshaphat, get all of the singers and the worshipers and put them out in front of the army. So Jehoshaphat goes to the choir team and the praise team and he goes to all those folks and he says, man, I've got a special mission for you. All right, what's the mission? I want you to get on the front line and go attack three kingdoms and three armies. I might have quit the choir that day. But you know what they did? They did exactly what God said. He said, I want you to get on the front lines. I want you to face the enemy. And they begin to sing and they begin to worship. And this is what they sing. The beauty of his holiness. They begin to sing of the beauty of his holiness. And when they got there, 
When they got there, the enemy was already defeated. God had went before them. He defeated the enemy. There they lie, all defeated, and all Israel had to do was go get the Rolex watches and the Timexes and get the change out of their pocket and the billfold out of their toga and take the spoils of war back. Isn't God good? But that particular plan was let's hit the enemy with worship. So, Pastor, is that a spiritual weapon, worship? Do you know that David went before Saul and he began to play, he began to sing before Saul with such an anointing? The Bible says the evil spirit would literally leave Saul because of the worship of King David. Man, that's powerful. That worship can scatter the enemy. That worship can begin to move in supernatural ways that we can't see. That's why we gather to worship. That's why we come to hear the word. Why? We're going to defeat the enemy. We're not going to let him take our cities. We're not going to let him take our area and our families and our children. Why? Because we have the weapons to fight the good fight of faith. And we need to hit him with worship. Worshippers on the front line. King David worshiping and evil spirits fleeing. There's something about King David I want you to catch. You know, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. Can I give you two reasons he was a man after God's own heart? He was a warrior and he was a worshiper. Most of the Psalms written by who? This guy who was a warrior and a worshiper. You've heard me say this many times. David is the biblical renaissance man. David is unique in who he is and what he's done. David can write you a poem. He can play you a song. He can sing you a song. Or he can cut your head off. Right? I mean, just whatever he can do, he can do. Why? Because the anointing of God's on him. So we have to hit the enemy with worship. Here's the fifth thing. We have to hit the enemy with the name of Jesus. We have to hit the enemy with the name of of Jesus. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, therefore God has, all, has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, those in heaven, those on the earth, those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what is, what is Paul saying? The name of Jesus is exalted above every name. Now, notice this. In heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Did you catch it? From heaven to earth to under the earth. And all points in between, he has the name that's above every name. I like your name. I like my name. But you don't have the name like that name. That name is full of power. When that name is spoken, I want to tell you the foundations of hell begin to tremble. When that name is spoken, the enemy begins to find himself at a disadvantage because now we have the name that's above every name. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven. And he says, and these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. Say that with me. In my name. Let's say it again. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. How does all that happen? In my 
name. Why? There's authority in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I can fill out deeds. I can fill out and, and, and give you all kind of paperwork. But until I sign my name on it and it's sealed, it is of no value. There's no authority in it. You can't do anything with it. But once I sign it and it is notarized and sealed, then it becomes an official document. I want to tell you something. You have been given the name of Jesus and been sealed by the Holy Spirit. So therefore, you and I can take the word in his name. We can pray, as he said, what? In my name. And we can validate our prayer. We can validate the word because the name of Jesus is powerful. I know what you, 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 uh, you can remember and I know what you know as, as far as the Great Commission. Go to all the world. But you know the verse that precedes that? All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Listen, if he has all power in heaven and earth, and as Paul said, his name is the greatest name from heaven to under the earth, my friends, I want to tell you, we have authority through the name of Jesus Christ. You can kneel by the bedside of a child and speak his name. You can face the enemy and speak his name. In the darkness of the night, you can call out on the name of Jesus and God begins to move in your life. Why? There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved, according to Acts 4.12. There's salvation, there's healing, there's power, demons flee. These things happen because they're done in his name. I'm about to preach myself happy. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about the name of Jesus. What about you? Can you remember this old chorus? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus. You remember like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there's something about that name. You know why? It is the name that's above every name. Goodness gracious, you have to hit the enemy with the name of Jesus. And he will respond. He's not afraid of you or me, but I'll tell you, he's afraid of the Jesus in you. He's afraid of the power of God within you. And we have to hit the enemy with the name of Jesus. The proverb says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A great refuge. And the righteous run into it and they are safe. Have you ever had the enemy running after you and you slid into home plate and the umpire said safe? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are what? They're safe. Goodness gracious. The name that's above every name, you and I have the opportunity to use. And here's the last one, the sixth one. You have to hit the enemy with your testimony. You have to hit the enemy with your testimony. Every one of you have a testimony. God's done something in your life, your salvation experience, how God has moved in your life. And you and I can take that as a weapon to hit the enemy with. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their 
testimony and they did not love their lives even to death. So what does your testimony do? It reminds you of the goodness of God. It reminds you of the grace of God. It reminds you of the power of God. It reminds you that you're saved. It reminds you you're a child of the Most High God. It reminds you you have a Father in Heaven. It reminds you of your identity, your testimony. I want to tell you that's what David did before he fought Goliath. You remember? He began to rehearse his testimony. He said, I fought the lion, I fought the bear. I've been knocking soup cans off of the fence for a long time that had Campbell's tomato on top of it. You know what he's saying? I have got a testimony that God has helped me in the past, therefore I know God will help me in the future. Because of what he's done in my past, what he's done in my life, I am convinced that he is still going to work in my future. That's your testimony. And it is a weapon against the enemy. I want to tell you something. Don't you think I won't fight if you mess with my wife? Don't you think I won't fight if you mess with my kids or my family? Don't think you I, that I won't fight if you come in here causing trouble in the church. You, you're sadly mistaken. I remember years ago, some of you remember this, we had a guy said he was a preacher. And he came in uh, to our congregation, was there for several months. And he came to me sometime later and he said, you know what, Pastor Mike? He said, a lot of people are just kind of uh, upset about the church. They're a little disenfranchised with uh, you and every, everything that's going on. And he said, I'm going to split this church, take part of the congregation away. Now, he told me that. You know what I said to him? Can you believe I responded? I mean, I did. I said, I'm going to take you by the seat of the pants. I'm going to throw you out that door. And he got upset that I said that to him. I thought, well, all the gall, you say that to me and you can't take what I say back to you. And honey, I could have done it too. It was a long time ago. Don't think it of me, we won't fight. We'll rise up. I remember years ago when Chris, my niece, uh, was having her son Kellen. There were complications. She had the baby, and uh, the bleeding would not stop. And she was in jeopardy of losing her life. It's the only time in my life I've ever seen a doctor come out to the family with tears in her eyes and saying, we're losing her, and I don't know what else to do. She's bleeding to death. We're trying our best going to do our best, but it doesn't look good. I remember my little mother, not five foot tall. She went over to a place of prayer, got on her knees. You know what she did? She began to fight. She began to fight. Of course, today, Chris is still here, and Kellen's about this big now. How many of you, sometimes, you just got to fight. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you got to just rise up and say, I'm not going to take this. If you think you're going to you bring this to me and you're going to try to do this, don't you think in me that I won't fight. Don't, don't let this gray hair around my temples that's growing around my head think that's going to stop me from fighting. Don't think my age is going to stop me from fighting. Can I hear an amen? This is going to be worse than the Holyfield fight. I'm going to bite your ear. I'm going to bite your nose. I'm going to claw. And I'm going to scratch. And I'm going to punch. And I'm going to jab. I'm in a fight now, honey. I'm going to keep on fighting. Aren't you? We are going to fight. I'm going to kick you. I'm going to stomp you. And I know it's not a natural fight. You okay? 
But the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Let me tell you something. The enemy's going to come and he's going to whisper in your ear about all the horrible things that's happening to your life, your family, your body. Nobody loves you. He's going to come and he's going to try to pull you down, discourage you, depress you. And when he whispers in your ear, you've got to fight. You've got to begin to know, what, what, what am I going to say? I'm, I'm going to proclaim the word of God. I'm going to use the name of Jesus. I'm going to give him my testimony. I, I'm going to begin to worship. And let me tell you what he'll do. He'll do just like the evil spirits in Saul's life. When that anointing comes, they flee. The devil's a bully. He's the original terrorist. Let me tell you a funny story. I just thought about this. Bob sitting back there, and Bob told me this story. We, we grew up together. Bob would go to school, and there was a guy, I'm a little bit older than Bob, a couple of grades uh, before him, but there was a guy in my grade, and I won't spill his name out. And Bob said every time we'd be on the bus or go somewhere to school, that uh, this fellow who was in my grade would take his class ring and turn it around. I don't even know what I'm fixing to say. He'd take his class ring and turn it around. And he'd pop me on the back of the head. That hurts. Have you ever been slapped on top of the head with a class ring turned around? Not fun. Bob said he'd make me so mad, I mean, I'd be fighting mad. And Bob said, when I get big enough, he said, I'm going to whoop him. He said, he slapped me on the head for the last time. And Bob said, about the time I got big enough where I thought I could whoop him, he moved off. He said, I've been mad about that ever since. <laughs> Bob, he's back now. You can take him now. <laughs> but do you know the enemy, he will, he will work on you. He will intimidate you. L let's go all the way back to where we began. Elijah, what's going on in your life? Well, that woman, she, she is, she's intimidating me. She's causing me to live in fear. She's putting me on the run, and I'm all alone. Isn't that what the enemy wants to do in your life? I want you to listen closely. Sometimes we do some of the dumbest stuff. I said we, not you. Sometimes the enemy comes against us. Somebody offends us. Something happens that we don't like. And you know what we do? It puts us on the run. We run away. We get by ourselves. We're going to show everybody right. We just played right into the hands of the devil. He got us out by ourselves. He's praying on the weak. He's praying on those that are isolated. He's praying on the cat that's away from the mama. He's praying on the one that's not with the herd, not with the pack, right? That's what he does. Then the Lord came to Elijah and he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Can I tell you, Elijah was pretty discouraged. He was depressed. You said, Pastor, he wasn't depressed. Well, let me tell you, when you say, God, I want to die, that's not a good day. That's what he said. You read it. He said, God, I want to die. Kill me. Put me out of my misery. But you know what God did? He brought a sweet, small voice. And he said, Elijah, Elijah, hey, you're not finished yet. I still love you. Go do what you're supposed to be doing. Don't let the enemy stop your destiny. Don't let the enemy stop your purpose. Don't let him stop your dream. Go anoint kings. Go raise up the prophet that's going to be the prophet in your stead or will follow you later. Come on, Elijah. You're not done yet. And I'm here to tell you you're not done yet. 
matter what your situation is, you may be depressed, you may feel like, <laughs> I heard this, you may feel like you're so low you could sit on the edge of a cigarette paper and swing your feet. That's pretty low. But no matter how low you are, could be a son, a daughter, a job, finances, your health, I want to tell you, just keep on fighting. Because you serve the awesome God who's bigger than anything in your life. You have been marked with the name that's above every name. Sealed with the name of Jesus. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Brother Ben used to say this. He said, I'm going to take the devil by the eyelashes and shake his shoes off. Now, there's two quandaries there for me. I don't know if he wears shoes and I don't even know if he has eyelashes. But I know this. I got to keep on fighting. You got to fight for your territory. We got to fight for our city, our county. We got to fight for our way of life. It's under attack. Have you watched the news? It's under attack. What do you do when you're attacked? You fight. You fight with the weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God to pulling down strongholds and every imagination that exalts itself above God. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.